Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk with Mark and B, the podcast where we just talk. I'm B. I'm here with Mark. Yeah, and we're also joined by Lizzie, and she's got an interesting tale for us. I thought we were raised shelter. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, welcome, Lizzie. Thank you. So this is called the Pillow Talk, right? Yeah. So the concept started because every night we would kind of have these like crazy conversations before bed. I would typically lay in bed and he would walk at the end of the the bed, just in the room, just pacing. And we just have these crazy deep conversations. We were like, we should just start a, we should just start a podcast. Let's talk That's about awesome. It. Yeah. yeah I love I'm that. so happy to have you here. Do you want to kind of give like kind of a snapshot of who you are and why your story is a little bit different than the average Joe? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm definitely no average Joe. Um, I So I grew up in the most strict form of the Amish community that you can grow up in. If uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Amish community or not, but there's all these different orders and, and rules and everybody has their own rules. And a lot of people have misconceptions of like what is true and not true about the Amish. And the reality is, is it's it's true and not true for different communities and depending on where you grew up in. So I grew up in the strictest form that you can grow up in. Wow. Uh, where in the world was this? This was in Ohio. Okay. Okay, cool. And when you're in one of these communities, do you have any communication with like any outside world? Do you have like a community that's like a couple miles away that maybe your cousin's in or anything? Yeah. So that's actually one of the misconceptions is that we are live in a compound, you know, and like we don't have any contact to the outside world. And that's not entirely true. There are, I know there are communities like the Hutterites, like they they live on compounds, but we didn't. We had, like, I grew up on an 80 acre farm with my parents and had 18 siblings. And so we <laughs> farmed. <laughs> I know, we're just going to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll touch on that later. Um, but our none of our neighbors were Amish. So all of our neighbors around us were non-Amish people. Our closest Amish neighbors were three miles away. But I'm a little bit of an anomaly because that's not normal. Like a lot of Amish communities, they have neighbors right next door that are Amish and everybody's minding everybody's business and getting into everybody's business. So we always consider ourselves lucky, like me and my siblings, that we didn't have neighbors right next door to us that were Amish, like trying to mind our business. So with that being said, we had that contact. Uh, everybody has contact to the world outside. It's just limited. Yeah. And our contact was we sold things to the outside community. Uh, people. Yeah, farmers markets. That's pretty much my only experience with like, yeah, Amish people or how to write or whatever. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. So interesting. So first of all, I guess let's get back to basics as far as I mean, I know some of the answers to these, but plumbing, electric. Yes, we did not have any electricity, no indoor plumbing. So no running water. So we weren't able to like take showers. Uh, I didn't have a shower until after I left at 19. Um, but I did take a bath once a week. So we do that. But in order to- siblings that you're trying to 
like ration water with? They didn't all live with you at the same time, right? What is the age? We were all there together at the same time, except for the youngest and the oldest. So my yeah. oldest sister was born or married before my youngest sister was born. And were you were the older siblings essentially raising the younger siblings? I mean, not really, but you know, by the time the older siblings were in their teenage years or before that, they were old enough to like obviously help around the farm. But it wasn't that they were necessarily like parenting the younger kids; they were helping take care of them, obviously. But my parents, I mean, my dad, he he wasn't he passed away when I was thirteen, so. My mom was actually left with 18 kids at home. Are you allowed to get remarried? You are allowed to get remarried. Yes. What's the the ceremony behind that or kind of the regulations? I don't know that they have any specific type of regulations behind that. My mom never did remarry, though. Like she, we had, you know, 18 kids at home and she was like, I can't remarry and have a stepdad come in because that just never goes well. But a lot of the- He has 18 kids and now there's 36 (laughs) kids. Well, not only that, imagine like we were really close as a family. And I also think that my mom didn't remarry because I know that my parents had true love. Like I know they really- loved and respected each other and I saw that and so I think my mom just could never fathom getting married to someone else so that was the the one piece of it but the other piece too is I think that she she didn't want anybody else coming in to try to help her parent her own kids yeah I think she was just like I can't like one she didn't want to put that on the kids and two she probably didn't want to deal with that part because we probably would have rejected whoever it was. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. So you weren't allowed to cut your hair, shave, wear bras. What was the reasoning behind that? So not cutting your hair was based on the Bible. So somewhere in the Bible, it said, I actually don't know where it is. Maybe you guys Old do. Testament. Yes. They talk about women shouldn't cut their hair. Um, And that meant the shaving part, like they weren't allowed to shave either. So like anything that required you to take any kind of hair off of your body was prohibited. And that was all based off of Old Testament. And they knew about Jesus and some of the New Testament, but Jesus was more kind of like a metaphor. Like he wasn't like really anything other than just another story in the Bible, Um, But I do remember, like, I questioned that a lot. Like, I asked my mom one time, I'm like, why, why do we go to hell if we cut our hair? Like, what's the reasoning behind that? And she was kind of like, well, that's just the way it is. Like, that's the way it's always been. There was this lady that would come to our house to buy eggs. And she had her hair cut really, really short. And she talked about God all the time, how much she loved him. And she was just an amazing person. And she left one day and I looked at my mom and I go, so uh, just because she's cutting her hair, that means that she's not going to go to heaven. And my mom's answer was like, well, that's just, that's just the way it is. And I was like, no, I refuse to accept that. I don't believe in that. There has to be more to life than this. Yeah. Like a, like a just and fair God you know, uh, probably isn't going to be upset about that kind of thing. Like you said, overall, that was a nice lady. 
Uh, I feel like a lot of people fall away from religion because of that, really. I, I believe so, too. And um, unfortunately, fortunately, I knew in my spirit for a long time that that's not what I believed in. I just didn't know what else I believed in. Yeah. But, you know, we were taught like God's up in the sky waiting to beat us over the head for doing yeah. something wrong, even if it's like, you know, putting a pin in our dress the wrong way. Yeah. And I just couldn't get on board. Yeah, like you, you grew up in such a small world, like 80 acres, basically, which is a lot of land. But like, if that's pretty much all ever, then it is a very small world. And yeah, you're not introduced to all these new ideas. Yeah, perspective is a wild thing. There is much even outside. Um, we live down in Panama and we live on a bunch of acreages on the ocean. And yeah, some of our neighbors are like native Panamanians and they don't have electricity and they don't have plumbing and stuff. And they live this very simple, small life. But, you know, it's good. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as religion goes, like, was that a conversation that you would privately have with your mom? Did you ever get together with your siblings? You're like, well, I don't understand this. Did you get together with friends or was that like an absolutely you don't talk about you don't do that? I don't think I ever had that conversation with anybody else as far as like what I didn't believe. I was a troublemaker. Obviously, I pushed the boundaries. I didn't want to follow the rules. And so I always got in trouble for that. And for that reason, the church always hounded me. They were always on me looking for the things that I was doing wrong. And then I actually became a member of the church and I was a I was a member for six months before I then left and ran away. And because of that, I'm shunned from the church now. But it allowed me to see more internal of like how the church was treating people and what they were doing. And even the entire time that I was like preparing to get baptized to be a member of the church, I knew that I didn't belong there. I knew that this wasn't what I wanted, but it was like, hey, I'm at that age. I don't know when I'm going to leave. I don't know what that's going to look like. And so I believe now that those were steps that I had to go through to get more internal insight on what was really going on. Yeah. And then it allowed me to, you know, make more of an executive decision of why is, why is there, what's that reason of why I'm actually leaving And it allowed me to get to a place to know that this is a decision that I'm making for myself and it has nothing to do with my family and or me despising anybody. I didn't like the religion and I didn't like the control and all of that. But when I left, I was able to tell my family in a note, like, this is nothing to do with me. I have to go. Mm -hmm. So are you still close with all your family then? I wouldn't say that I'm close to all. I, <laughs> I guess that's a I big question. Say, <laughs> I would not say that I'm close to all of my family because uh, I I don't live in the same state as any of them do. Okay, three sure. of my siblings left after I did. So I do have three sibling, younger siblings that left as well. And they still live in Ohio. And I go back there and I see them once a year. But then I go home and see my mom. And so I'll see my mom once a year. But any of my other siblings that are still Amish, I won't see them unless I go home 
and they're there while I'm visiting my mom. Yeah, but, it's not even like you can Facebook message them ahead, yeah. letting them know I'm coming to town. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what it like, I guess, no power. They don't have computers and stuff. How would you communicate with the outside world? Writing letters. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, oh, actually, before we move on, what was the involvement of God? Did you guys go to church every week? Did you do, like, devotions every week? What did that look like in your household and then as in a community overall? Oh, yeah. So we did uh, every morning after right before breakfast. So we would get up in the morning, go milk the cows, feed the animals, the chickens and all of that. Come everybody. Then after that all comes in and then we all gathered in the living room and we had what was called prayer time. And it was always the same thing. They had a little prayer book that was in German and um, it was mm -hmm, yeah in German. And um it was always the father that would do the prayers. But the way that they do prayer is that they all get up, turn around and they kneel down, like, like leaning over like a chair or a bench or something like that. And then the father would say the prayer out of the prayer book. So that was every morning. And then they also did a silent prayer before every meal. I never knew what they were praying, never even heard it, never heard anything out loud. It was just a silent prayer. And then at nighttime before everybody went to bed, gather in the living room again. And the same thing, then it was the evening prayer. So that was like the daily thing. But like, if you ask me what that prayer said, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. So do you speak German at all then even, or is it literally? Um, I, I, it's more of a, I have to kind of like look at it and read it in order to like really be able to, to speak yeah. it. Uh, we did learn it in school, obviously, but if it's not something that you like the type of German that we learned is like really high German. Like it's not even a German that a lot of Germans can speak. Right? I don't so know if you've ever seen the TV show, The Office, but White Schrute says, yeah, I, I know this like post-industrial German. He always talks about like. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very useful. Very, very useful stuff. What's interesting is I've had quite a few Hutterites reach out to me that live either in Canada or Utah. And when I did a German reading, I did one of the German readings on TikTok and Instagram, and they would reach out to me and they said, like, this is actually the German that we use. Like, they use the same types of German Bibles that we used. But then if someone in Germany or Europe somewhere where it's like Swiss German or, you know, uh, I don't know, regular German, whatever we call yeah. it. Um, they're like, we don't understand a word. And then there's people <laughs> that, there were people that spoke, that speak like a different type of Dutch and they understood parts of yeah, it. Yeah, that's crazy. It's wild what language can do, even like a generation down and how it just dis- dissipates. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of proud of that German though, because I'm like, man, not even the regular Germans understand this German. <laughs> This is like, this, like, like old status. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so do you feel like most of your life you were just kind of like, they told you to do it. So you just had to do it and just watched everybody yeah. just kind of silently do it. Yeah. A lot of their, if, if you ask a lot <laughs> of the people like, Hey, like why, why are, why do you have these rules? Like most of their answers are going to be 
that's just the way it's always been. Like they won't actually know the origin of it. But if you start digging into, I've actually in the last year, because I, I met a friend that's like really into the history of everything. And so he's actually been able to teach me like, no, this is actually where you originated from and where your ancestors are from. And so I've actually learned a lot. Like, did you guys know that the Bronx in New York, like they're from the Mennonite? Like they're yeah. the Bronx yeah. Mennonites, like, and it stems all the way back to like Mennonite and Amish. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's wild. When you start, like, I've been digging into some history stuff, and it's like, it, we as humans just have such a small perspective on everything that when you actually start, like, no, no, not just a hundred years back, let's look 500 years back, let's look a thousand years, Ooh, it's crazy. Yeah, I did a DNA test a few years ago and found out that I have a high percentage of French in me. And I was oh. like, how did that happen? But it's actually because Eastern Europe, so we're a break off from the Anabaptist and they were all over Europe. So Swiss German, uh, French, and all the different, like, I don't know, and dialects, ancestors there. So they were all over, but then they broke off in many different areas then came over this guy named um Jacob like he was the Amish actually came to America before the Mennonites did mm -hmm. so Jacob was a was the guy that came from the Anabaptist and he's like hey I want to be Amish and he created like his own thing and then it got to the point where he was like actually this is not what I had in mind and he's like let's stop it this is too much and then a lot of the people that already had transitioned into it were like no, 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 this is what we want. We're going to keep it going. So he actually ended up leaving the Amish and the others, a lot of the other state. And so if you really think about like the Amish where I'm from, not all the Amish, but the Amish where I'm from, they're kind of like stuck in like the 1860s, like right before the steam engines came out, like that's where they're sort of like sitting and they're just like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> Man, it's so interesting. Like, it sounds like such a crazy idea to kind of hold yourself in time. But even as I look into myself and like my life, I'm like, well, I don't want to get an AI computer chip in my brain. Like at one point I will become, quote unquote, Amish technologically where I don't want to progress anymore. You know, yeah, I think that's now really. Yeah. So this is interesting. Yeah. They, that guy's just like, I think we're good here. Like, let's just do this. And if it wasn't for the controlled religion piece behind it. Yeah. It, 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 interesting. Because it's like, it's like, you know, if you're a Christian, you could be from anywhere, you know, you could be any race or whatever. Uh, but, you know, with this, it's both like kind of a a culture as well as a bloodline as well as a religion yep it's all like integrated together and the thing about it is there's not necessarily because they have such limited access there's not really a place of going hey let's get let's evolve let's like what would actually make it better it's like hey how much harder can we make our lives? Like literally, I would have this thought process there. Like, I'm like, there cannot be a possible chance that they can come up with another new rule to take something away <laughs> that we have. And then sure enough, the next year they'd be like, can't have that anymore. And I'm like, for what reason? What sort of rules <laughs> did they come up with? 
Oh, I remember this one time they, I don't know if it actually ever got passed, but this was the last year that I was there. They at church, you know, we would have church, by the way, this is another piece of where God was in our lives was every two weeks we would go to church. So only every two weeks. And it was like a three hour church service every two weeks at someone's house. Um, (laughs) So it was like that three hour church service. And then after the church service is when everybody would stay and eat lunch. And so they would have these long tables and it was always pretty much the same type of food. It was like bread with jams and spreads and pickles and beets and then a a hot type of uh, bread soup. And they would have regular utensils, like knives, forks, and spoons on the table. And I remember getting to a point where they were like, yeah, we're going to like take the forks away. I'm like, what? Because someone's going to stab someone else with a fork? Like, what? why are you taking the fork away? Who's going to, what's What's your purpose? What's your, What's the point here? I don't know that it ever got passed, but I just remember thinking that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. What is crime like there? You don't really, crime isn't, isn't necessarily something that's like prevalent, except for, um, I would say the thing that was the most prevalent was kids, guys in their teenage years, not necessarily the church order that I was in. So even within the sports and trooper Amish church that I'm in, there's different levels. So there's my group of church that I was in. And then right next door, it could be Schwarzenegger Amish, but they go to a different uh, community of the church and they have slightly different rules, but technically we all kind of like look the same. And that there were some groups within the community that mm-hmm. if the, the kids got into the, the dating world, the, the boys, like they would do all these crazy things that would get them in trouble, like drinking and music and just crazy things that normally wouldn't, you'd be like, wait, you get in trouble for that. But yeah. here's what started to happen. They, they would uh, find out who was telling on them, like who was like kind of the person that was like, if, if one of their friend's parents would be, hey, your kid was listening to music and drinking and all of that. Those kids would then go to that parent's home during the night and just destroy things. Wow. Break windows, like just like really, really bad stuff. And if you would have gotten caught in the real world with that, you'd be in jail. But the parents got to the place where they just shut their mouth and they wouldn't say anything because even if they knew that the kids were doing things because they didn't want them to come to their place and just destroy their their property. So I know that that was prevalent at one point in time, but I've been gone for over 19 years. So I have no idea what what that's still going or not. Wild. Okay. Topic shift. Uh, Let's talk about dating and sex and that kind of stuff. Because you mentioned that sex ed was basically non-existent. There was conversation with, am I correct, parents or elders right before your wedding night yeah so wedding night um there was no there was no sex ed education or anything like that um the most that I ever got was the night before I have a twin sister and um at 16 and a half is when we start dating 
And I remember that first night that was a Sunday night, we were going to go to our first gathering of all the kids that were dating. And the only thing my mom said to us was like, keep your clothes on. And we were like, okay, like, I don't, we kind of had like an idea of what you, she was talking about. Cause obviously like we grew up on a farm and like kids talk and you find things out, but you still like, don't really know. Yeah. And so that was, that was the only thing that she told us. She did not share with us like, Hey, if you have sex, you can get pregnant. These are the things that will happen. Or here's even how it works. Like you need to protect yourself. There was, there was none of that. And so that was it. So what was this gathering? What was this? You just turned 16 and a half and now you're in a room full of like, is it like a matchmaker situation? Is it like, (laughs) well, I mean, kind of every, every, uh, church Sunday, all the kids that were dating, they would come together that night at like 9 PM and have what they call the singing. And so all the guys and girls would uh, be there for a couple hours singing. And then after the singing is when you could be asked, hey, do you want to go on a date with this specific guy? And if you said yes, then they would come to your house for the date. With chaperones and like kind of. Kind of like a chaperone. Yeah. So that's one part of dating. And then the other part of dating is you could be the Sunday that is not your church Sunday that Saturday night before you could just be like, let's say I was in bed sleeping it's Saturday night. I could all of a sudden have like some random dude walking into my bedroom and being like, Hey, do you want to go on a date with this other guy that's outside waiting? And <laughs> and you were expected to just go. Well, so I would stay there and I would say, I could say yes, or I could say no. And if I, if I said no, then they have to leave. But if I say yes, then they go out, they tell the guy, hey, she'll go on a date with you. Then they all come in to my room and they hang out for, you know, a few hours or whatever. And then (laughs) they may go like to the pantry and get some pie to eat, you know, just hang out and like do dumb stuff. And then all the, the guys that are not there for the date, they'll leave. They'll end up leaving around midnight or so. And then the guy that's there for a date, he's stays there with you and you're supposed to be alone in the room and then you're you go to bed for your date and really (laughs) okay so but you're you don't know anything about sex they don't think you're gonna have sex Mm -hmm. no so you're not allowed to have sex um I don't know what the guys get taught like told like before they start dating I, I I never like got that that side of it but um so you're supposed to lay in bed and then at some and talk, have conversation, light out, lights out, like, you know, it's, it's dark. And then at some point the guy takes the lead and he like wraps his arms around you and you're supposed to wrap your arms around him. And then they're supposed to like rock back and forth for a little bit. And he, he only like, he like, like cuddling and it's called bundling, but true bundling is they have <laughs> In be- true bundling is if a board in between them so this isn't actually true bundling it's actually not as safe as that so um <laughs> so then he may like give you a kiss on the cheek or on the lips and then go back and have conversation it's the most awkward thing ever like ever i would sounds like literally i could see it in some crazy teenage 
comedy movie. Like yeah. it just sounds so ridiculous and funny. That someone just like made up and said, oh, okay, like you're not allowed to be seen in public if you're dating. <laughs> you're not allowed to have sex before marriage. But here's what you have to do. You have to lay in bed together at night when it's dark. <laughs> so did people have sex? Like they must. Uh, I do think that I, I think that it did happen. I know that it does happen. Um, I also know that not great things happen i know that sexual assaults and all of that stuff is pretty prevalent in the community so um you're kind of setting them up to fail to be honest like yeah i was gonna ask about this because you had basically if i i saw this video where basically you woke up one morning and bam you had a new baby sibling like you didn't know (laughs) like do you feel like not knowing kind of protected your innocence or kept you a child for longer or do you feel like it worked against you hmm I've never actually really thought about that I I guess I don't really feel like I just just who I am and and what I've learned in my life I don't ever really feel like anything's like just working against me like I had this conversation with someone yesterday where her parents like didn't let her go to college at 18 and now she's like, I feel like I've just always been behind. And I'm like, you're 30. Why do you feel like you're behind? And she's like explaining it to me. And I was like, you're not behind. Like, I left my entire family when I was 19 and had very, very little. And I could feel like I'm behind, but I'm like, I really don't. Like, you can't, you can't yeah. like put yourself in a place or or think that just because they didn't let you go to college that you're now behind what if your parents were protecting you from something and you weren't ready to go to college and then you went to college at 25 when you actually really knew what you wanted to do and so my mindset isn't really like hey I I was at a disadvantage I actually think now that I have an advantage I have an advantage of knowing what I know having the experiences that I have experienced and I can bring that into the modern world where a lot of people are craving simplicity or a lot of people are craving self-sustainability being able to be self-sufficient and that's what that taught me and yeah. so I'm very grateful for that and I just don't I don't like think of it in a negative way yeah which is, which is really cool uh you it, I just kind of keep getting this vibe from you that it's just you kind of just accept where you are. That's kind of what you do. You don't ask too many questions. This is what's happening. You just kind of get your head down and accept it, I guess. It's kind of nice. the best of it, I guess. That's all you can really do. You didn't really do. accept your situation back in the day. Yeah, yeah. But let's be honest. It took me a lot of years to get here. Like, yeah. it, it, it didn't used to be like this. Yeah. So, Teacher Lizzie <laughs> is going back to the community to teach sex ed what would you do? What would you like? How would you go about it? What do you think that they should know before maybe even at this like 16 year old thing? I would start with the women first. Um, Because the women, women don't really have a voice there. And they don't know how to speak up for themselves. And so because they're not taught how to speak up for themselves and protect themselves, um, they become victims. 
And I can speak into this because I, I, it happened to me, you know, I was molested and then I was raped and went through all of that. And so I know now that those things happen because they don't know how to speak up and they don't know how to protect themselves. And so that's they might not what, even know it's wrong. Even they so, do know it's wrong. They do know it's wrong. Yeah. They, they know it's wrong. They, but in their taught all their lives, like, Sex is wrong. Sex is wrong. Sex okay. is wrong. Right. Um, so so that is taught, but they're not taught like, hey, if a man approaches you in this way, okay. like this is what you need to do in order to protect yourself. And here's what yeah. would happen. So that's where I would start is go yeah. there, protect and help the women. No is a complete sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I think that's I think it's crazy because. I mean, we, we grew up in Christianity and I, for one, definitely like if, if a guy and the girl are having sex at the same age, it's the girl that gets kicked under the mud and she's the slut and she's the, this and the black. She's the one who's outcast from the community where the guy can kind of just stay where he's at, you know, do what he does. And yeah, yeah it's very interesting. It, it It's a very, very tough thing because even when those things happen within the Amish church, they just kind of like keep it within the church and say, Hey, like, like this happened when it happened to me, um, it was a redundant, repetitive thing. And then when the church finally found out, they, um, they just looked at me as like, Oh, like this, this isn't, this didn't happen to you. Like you were part of the problem. And so, yeah, yeah. So like, it was, you know, my fault too. And of course, like by that time I felt like it was, and then they they shunt him and just like took care of it within the church. But then after all of that ended, then he came back mm-hmm. and like did it again. And so then after a few years, I left. And after I left, I told my mom, I said, hey, just so you know, like he continued after all of that happened. So she went and told the bishop of the church, who was actually his son, who was my cousin. And my mom said that when she told my uncle, who was the bishop of the church, that he was like, well, she left. We can't take her word for anything. Oh, that is devastating. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That is unforgivable. I'm like, it's wild how many girls go through this and then they don't they can't talk about it even to their own moms and they don't have a safe spot to go to be heard and to be validated. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I would say now, like the biggest thing that I, that I want women to know when they're in situations like that is like, you can get yourself out of it. Like you, you don't have to feel like it was your fault. And there are people that are going to help you. And I want them to know like, Hey, like, you you can be yourself again like it don't yeah. stay there you're sometimes looking or seeking help from the people closest to the situation isn't where you're going to get the most help absolutely yeah it's absolutely so did this event have anything to do with you leaving is this what kind of caused it or necessarily um i think that it, it's such a it was such a collaborative of of events and things uh, i i knew from a 
pretty young age, I would say even before my father passed, I, I knew that I wouldn't be there forever. Um, and so I think it just, you know, took years of building up when I was 17, my twin and I actually ran away for two days. So we were the first in our family to ever do that. So we left for two days and, and, um, we, so we, we had neighbors, we, we had a Catholic family across that lived across us, across the street from us. And they had 10 kids and we all were kind of like the same age. So we went across the street crazy. We were like there overnight and for the day. And then we couldn't go outside because we couldn't like let our family know like, oh, we're just across the street. Um, But eventually we went into the city and then we had a cousin that had left years before and uh, we knew his phone number. So we called him and he came and picked us up and we went to his house. And on day two, like my twin and I are just hanging out at their house and they're at work and the phone rings and this was when like home phones were still a thing (laughs) and she picks up the phone in the kitchen and I picked up the phone in the living room but I don't see a word and I hear her entire conversation it was one of my brothers who found out that that's where we were staying and um so she has this conversation with him and at the end of the conversation she I hear her tell him I can't do this. Um, We have to, you have to come pick us up. So they came and picked us up that night and literally like every being in my body, like my heart just like dropped to my feet. Cause I was like, I thought I was out. I thought, you know, I, this was my time. You were doing it with your twin. Like you guys were together and out. Yep. Yep. And she just couldn't do it. She was just like, I, cause it's like someone dies. Like they mourn you like someone died. They think that you're going to go to hell and you just, you know, ran away from everything you had ever known. And so, um, I reluctantly went back. I, I went back to the family and the following day, I told her that, there's no way I'm staying here. Like I will leave again at some point. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm leaving too. But she's still there and has, she's married, has 10 kids. Yeah. <laughs> In one of your videos, you had mentioned <clears throat> that you felt like you were missing love and affection. Like hugs weren't a thing. And you know, that like you did good job today, blah, blah, blah. All of that kind of stuff wasn't a thing. How did you know that that was missing? Did you see it in a different family? And yeah, we had neighbors literally across the street from us that were not Amish. And every day when they would come home from work, I would see um, the couple, the married couple, I would see them give each other a hug and a kiss. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I can't even get that from like, I wasn't even allowed to do get a hug from my own siblings it was inappropriate. It was inappropriate to give someone a hug. It was inappropriate to kiss. The only time, the only time you were allowed to kiss was like when you were dating. And, um, and then you got a kiss on the cheek if uh, you got baptized. That was it. (laughs) Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you were really, do you feel like now that you've left, you've kind of filled that missing piece and how did you do it in the outside world? So what's interesting is, is, is I, there's, you know, how we have like these different love languages. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's interesting to kind of look at like what your background, what you experienced as a kid. So for me, I like love and affection, but like, ironically, I could go for days without hugging someone or weeks or unless it's my son, like my son, we're talking, that's, that's a different story, but cause I'm very, very affectionate with him. But for a lot of other people, I'm not the one that's going to come up and just like hug you like crazy. I will hug you, but it's not something that it's like, um, it's not the first thing I think about, but yeah. the way I receive love is <laughs> I like words of affirmation <laughs> and, and I like acts of service. I do think like those are acts of service is probably, Hey, that's how I know that you care about me because you're doing something for me that you know that matters. And then the words of affirmation is I just feel like it's probably because I never had it when I was growing up and it just like makes me feel better. But like, I don't really want someone to tell me that just because like they actually have to mean it. No, it's interesting, especially when you think about growing up in the Amish community where you had chores and you had to get things done. And that was like part of the family unit to make things kind of flow effortlessly and how that's a love language now. It's like, no, no, I know that you care because you're contributing to the household and the overall economics. I would say probably a big thing that that I've seen myself have to go through is learning how to actually be okay with asking for help. Like that's a huge, huge thing because we we're doers. Like we just we just get shit done. And you know, it's like, hey, you don't you don't really complain about it. You just go and do it and it is what it is. And so when something needs done, I could be like, I'm frustrated that you're not doing this, but because you're not doing it, I'm just going to do it myself because it needs to be done. And so asking for help and voicing, because I, I've watched myself over the last, like probably five or six years, really transitioning into this uh, arena of being okay with demanding like what I need as well. And for so long, like I didn't have that voice and I didn't know how to voice it. I didn't, I really didn't. Like, I didn't even know how to have a healthy argument or disagreement with someone because we didn't, I didn't learn that. So I had to learn all of that after I left. And so it's really interesting to watch yourself go through that. Like unlearn the coping mechanisms of just staying mm -hmm. quiet and just going with the flow and Everybody's like, Lizzie's such an easygoing person. She, you know, she's, I, I, uh, people please her. You know, trying to like keep everybody else happy and she's not dramatizing. I'm like, I'm dying on the inside. You guys aren't even listening to me. So sad. No, I get it. So let's transition. I guess, first of all, how there's a boy boyfriend that's going to, we're going to talk about. How did you meet him? I met him in uh, New York when one of my brothers got married in New York and almost the entire family went to New York for this wedding. And uh, that's where I met him. Yeah. And how old were you at that point? Oh, gosh. 18. I think I might have been 18. I don't 17 or 18. I, I don't remember. I think we were dating for like a year and a half. Okay. So okay. Babe, you're going to die at this story. Yeah. First of all, I can relate to so many, so much of this because I ran away from my parents' home and then I had to go back and then they, they like kicked me out and then I went to social services, but everything from like 
jumping out the window because I couldn't go down the stairs and leaving a note and like just so wild. So I want you to kind of take us through. You had left with your sister. You went back for years. You started mailing or email or well, I guess mailing with this guy. You weren't emailing, sending handwritten love notes or whatever to New York from Ohio. <laughs> and then tell us about the night that it all kind of happened. Yeah, so um, we would write letters to each, my boyfriend and I would write letters to each other every two weeks. Um, we were not allowed to do it more than that. So we had to take turns. And we saw each other, maybe we even though we were in a long distance relationship, we were boyfriend, girlfriend, we only saw each other like a couple times a year. And so at this point in time, I'm 19 years old, and I'm working at my oldest sister's house, and I'm already a member of the church. My my twin has is dating this guy from a different part of Ohio, and they're planning on getting married like real soon. And so I'm at my oldest sister's house because she had she just had a little baby, and I was there helping her. And it was my turn to deliver a letter to the mailbox for my boyfriend. So I go to deliver this letter that's like up on the top of a hill. And when I open the mailbox, there's a note in the mailbox that doesn't have an address, but it has my name on it. And I knew the handwriting right away. I knew it was my boyfriend's handwriting. And I was like, how did this note get in this mailbox? Like he's in New York, I'm in Ohio. Something's really like off here. So I opened the note and he had dropped that note in the mailbox saying, hey, my sister and I and her boyfriend, we ran away from the Amish. We drove down from New York yesterday. And uh, if you want to leave, we'll come by tonight at 10 p.m. and pick you up. If you don't want to leave, I'll come by another time and, and we can talk about it. So basically, that was his way of saying, like, if you don't leave, like, we're breaking up. Like, I'm gone. I okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally like snapped my fingers and said, I'm leaving. So what, how are your letters monitored? Are there people reading these? Do you know, like what would have happened if you didn't go get that mail? Oh, I, I would have been in so much trouble. Like I probably would have like not heard for weeks that he actually left. Oh, but man. The, the note, the note was, uh, had my name on it and then it had owner only written on it which is a very common thing that they used in the Amish communities like hey I don't want anybody else to open this but that doesn't really <laughs> prevent that doesn't really prevent the parents to open it if it says owner only like they know that there's probably something in there that we don't want them to know yeah so yeah so uh I I really believe that I believe in God and I believe that you know he he's the one that you know orchestrated all of that and directed me to be the one to find that note on that specific day that I was supposed to go deliver a letter like come on like that's yeah. not by chance I had the rest of the day to figure out like how am I going to leave like what how do I leave how do I do I tell someone do I let anybody know that I'm leaving um, and also like my twin sister was getting married six months later and I had to decide like, Hey, do I leave and run away at that point in time, knowing that 
I wouldn't be at her wedding. Do I, do I leave right away? And you weren't at that wedding, right? Mm -mm. Oh, so sad. No, I, I wasn't. Um, and so I, I, that was noon. And then I, I had the rest of the day to kind of like figure everything out. I waited until nighttime that night and I, um, pretended like I was going to bed. So this was not, not where I grew up. This was at my sister's house. So I, I waited until everybody else like went to bed. Then I, I went upstairs, pretended like I was going to bed. And instead I wrote a note for my family and told them like, Hey, I have to go. And then I took my covering off. I still wish I would have brought the covering with me. I didn't. And then, um, I, uh, went over to the window and I climbed out onto the roof and there was a dog underneath on the porch and he just starts barking like crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, like now I'm caught. Like they know, like in your mind, you're just going like, they know now that you're trying to run away. And eventually my brother-in-law opens the door and he like shoes the dog away and the dog like runs down to the barn. And, and to this day, like my brother-in-law doesn't know that he like helped me. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> so I get out onto the roof and I'm sitting there and this is like a 15 foot roof. And I have to figure out like, how do I jump off this roof without like breaking a bone? Like, this is crazy. I probably sit there for about 30 minutes contemplating, how do I jump off this roof without breaking a bone? And I'm thinking about my twin sister getting married. I'm thinking about my entire family that I may never see them again. I don't know when I will see them again. I don't know what's going to happen behind me. Like that's like everything that's behind me. But also I don't even know what's in front of me other than like, I know that this is where I need to go. So here's something that I, I recently like figured out and discovered is a lot of people actually metaphorically like get stuck on the roof and they never actually take the leap because we get so attached to what is behind us and what we have to let go of in order to move forward to what we actually want to do or need to do in life. And so we get stuck on that roof, just like paralyzed to even make move. And paralyzed with yeah. fear. Like there's fear around it holding you back, not excitement, not like it's all, it's negative holding you back, not logic. Yep, exactly. Not actually uh, logic. Um, it's, it, it, it's a really, really difficult place to be in. And um, I, I, I think that that's a, a lesson that a lot of people like can learn from is like, hey, sometimes you have to let go of all the things that are holding you back in order to be able to move forward. I mean, I'm sure you guys have experienced this in order to be able to like take that leap forward. You don't always know what's in front of you. Like I didn't know what was going to be in front of me, all the things that I was going to have to go through and do and the leaps and the bounds and everything that I had to do in order to get to where I am today. But what I did know 
in my heart and in my spirit is that that's where I was supposed to go. Yeah. And I mean, look at you now, would you say 19 years after the fact, could you imagine staying in that community in that 80 acre span of the world, just kind of for 19 more years, like that thought depressing <laughs> it's crazy. we're in one of the luckiest times where we can move literally anywhere in the world in a couple hours you know yeah yeah and, and i experience everything so cool and so beautiful out there it'd be such a shame to just waste it in one small spot yeah we yeah. left canada last year and moved to panama and everybody that we talked to is like well i can never do that i can't leave my family or oh i, I have a job i have this and it's like like, so did we, we all have a million reasons why we shouldn't do something, but let's talk about why you could do it or why you should do it. Or, and yeah, it's so interesting when you say that people, there's a lot of people that just never leave that room. Yeah. What was in that note to your parents? Do you regret anything or would you reword anything now being 19 years more mature and with more perspective? I wouldn't change a thing. I don't remember anything. <laughs> That's not true. I don't remember everything that was on that note. But when I think back to what I actually did put on that note is I do know that I said this. I said, this has nothing to do with anybody here. It has nothing to do with you, mom. It has nothing to do with any, any of anybody. But I have to go. And so what I did is I took the pressure off of them and the blame off of them and said, it has nothing to do with you and it has everything to do with me. And I'm taking the responsibility of my choice and I'm making that choice. What happens in the community when somebody leaves the way, like you had made a joke about like a newspaper. Is that actually true? Do they have this like Amish? Oh yeah, they do. Yeah. It's called the budget. (laughs) Yeah. Just like a whole gossip column for everybody in the community. Yeah, it's like uh okay, weekly weekly news update on the Amish community, and you can become a writer for the for yeah. for the budget, and then you get your own little paragraph. And so that's where you get your news update, like, oh, so and so got engaged, so and so had a baby. Um <laughs> so died. Yeah, like so <laughs> this is where this is where church was. These are the people that were the guests at the church you jumped how'd you figure out how to jump yeah so I remember sitting on the edge of that roof and just uh remembering how I grew up on a farm and I remember hearing like when cats jump they don't ever break a bone and here's why because every limb in their body is is loose they don't stiffen up they just like allow themselves to fall (laughs) and so I was like I'll be a cat so so that's what I did I just was like all right I I gotta like just not be stiff and jump and that's what I did and when I jumped you know it made this like thought sound and I was like oh my gosh someone heard me jump and so I quickly got up and ran to the side of the building and I could have literally ran out probably 10 feet and run up the road and met with my friends because my boyfriend and his sister and my other friends were waiting there for me. And instead of doing that, because I was so scared that someone saw me and they would like look out the window, see me run up the road. I went to the side of the building of the house and ran around like three big buildings and then went up the, the hill to meet 
the um my boyfriend at the time so with what 20 bucks in your pocket you just twenty dollars in my pocket i had a flashlight and obviously i had my dress on and i had a, a couple other small things with me like little souvenirs but nothing nothing else why do you wish that you took your head covering why did i leave that behind yeah why did you leave it and why do you wish you still had it i left it because it was just like anything that i could get rid of was like stripping the old me away and the reason I would want it now is because I, I would like to show people like the extent that you had to go through in order to create one and what that process was like. I mean, I had nightmares for years about having to like create my covering. I'm like, I don't want to do that again in my life. <laughs> so what did you do that night? Where did you go? Got into the truck. And I mean, I think we all just like screamed uh, with joy, like, oh my gosh, we're out. And, you know, and I think like stayed up all night at my, I had a friend that had left a few years before and we went to his place and we just all hung out there, watched movies, listened to music. You know, I don't even know what we all did. Um, I don't know if I slept. And then the entire time you're thinking like, oh my gosh, like tomorrow morning when the family gets up they're going to find out like she's gone and so that's all going through your mind too because then I'm a, I loved my mom and I'm thinking like man she's just gonna be crushed again but um it, it, it was what had to happen yeah for sure how do you feel like having a boyfriend during that transition helped you did it like did it hold you back at all was it what you needed no, I, you know, someone, uh, people always ask me about what happened to him. And I said, you know, we were, we were together for a couple of months. We, we broke up shortly after, after leaving. Um, I think just, you know, outside world, outside influences, like we just like, we weren't meant to stay together. And so what I always tell people is he did his part. Like if it wouldn't have been for him, I don't know if I would have been able to leave in the way that I did. I don't know when I would have left. I always know that I I would leave at some point, but I just don't know how. And so um, that's what I say is he did his part. He played his part. And I have no idea where he is now. <laughs> no idea. Such a love story. Like they write Disney movies about this. Your boyfriend just messages you in the middle of the, well, I guess leaves a letter for you and then you meet him in the middle of the night and just drive away into freedom. That's crazy. That's so. What was the biggest shock when you were in the real world and you're like, I guess showers exist? Yeah, I still remember the first time walking into a room and like flipping the light switch and going, I can just flip on a light switch. Like, this is crazy. That is um, and so I, just, <laughs> I know, right? The things we take advantage of. Um, and then, you know, microwaves, like microwaves were like, oh my gosh, I don't have to cook. I can just like stick something in a microwave. This is amazing. Let me get some lean cuisines and, you know, frozen foods that I just like put in, in the microwave because I didn't have to cook. And then I discovered fast food. I'm like, I can go to a drive through What? But then 20 pounds later, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Was there a clear shift where it's like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. like there, there is laziness behind kind of some of this convenience and it does kind of shift, oh, yeah. shift things for you? Yeah, I, 
Um, I think convenience kills us in many areas. And um, not that there's anything wrong with having convenience. Trust me, I like having convenience. But yeah, everyone likes to have a refrigerator. Everyone loves that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not a big deal. But like when you think about the microwave, like I don't use a microwave in my home now. And um, because it kills our food. But um, and, and there's other things with it as well. But like I... I got to this realization where I was, I started to really learn like, okay, this frozen, pre-frozen prepared food isn't actually good for me and pre-packaged foods like pop tarts and all that crazy stuff. Like that's not actually like good for me either. So it took me a few years to get to that. Um, But then I feel like I always had some innate ability to understand like what's, what's going to make my body feel good. But obviously like I eventually like studied it as well. I really did have to relearn how to cook because the way that I cook now is nowhere near how we cooked at home. So I really had to relearn how to actually like cook food healthy. See, that's interesting because like my mom raised us on like ragu and craft dinner and box foods. And like, so now that we're out here living off grid, like we've got solar panels and all that kind of stuff. But I now make bread and stuff like that. And I, my mom never did that. So I've had to like learn all of this stuff where I feel like, I mean, two generations ago, this is all passed down from mom to daughter kind of thing. But yeah. So what do you do differently in the kitchen that they didn't do? So they cook very heavy. A lot of their their foods are fried in flour and butter, like really heavy like that. Um, not that there's anything wrong with butter, but, you know, frying foods over and over is eventually going to clog your arteries. Um, and then they do a lot of like heavy things like uh, creams and a lot of like if you were to like eat a salad, like the only time we ever like quote unquote ate a salad was in the spring when there was like fresh lettuce, but then it was like smothered in like a mustard dressing. Right. So like <laughs> there was more dressing than lettuce. Um, <laughs> it's not that they don't grow their own food, like their vegetables and their meats. Um, some people have orchards, not everybody does. And, it, and they preserve their own foods, but it's the way that it's preserved. It's the way that it's cooked. So like it, lots and lots of sugar. So, I mean, we have pies and cookies and cakes and bread like 24 seven all the time. It was just normal. And then we preserved our own fruit. And when we would do that, there might be a cup of sugar in a quart of char yeah. of peaches. And then there's water and that becomes syrup. And if it's syrup, you know, there's a lot of sugar in it. So it's, it's just the way that they prepare their food. Yeah, that makes sense. So transitioning into your career, obviously they don't have like social security numbers or anything like that in the community. How difficult was it to get out and then essentially have no identity and then try to get that from the government in order to get jobs and go to school and stuff? Well, I'm American, I I guess. Believe me. (laughs) (laughs) I had someone, someone, uh, uh, I did an interview with someone a while ago and they're like, so um, when did you come to America? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I grew up in America. He's like, oh my gosh, this whole time I thought you were born somewhere else. And I'm like, 
That's They're like, so you become a citizen. And I was like, I was always a citizen. I had a birth certificate. I just didn't have social security. Oh, brutal. <laughs> Well, I guess with that birth certificate, you could pretty much get it, right? Or was it more difficult? Yeah, so I I had to have three forms of identification to get my social security number. So I we did get a birth certificate when we were born, but I had no idea where it was because right. my parents would hide it. it. So I went to the health department and had to pay $25 to get a birth certificate. And then I had to find out who my doctor was when I was born to get a medical record because I didn't have any other medical records. So I found that office, went and got a medical record from when I was born. And then I had to go home one Sunday when I knew the entire family was going to be at church and get my eighth grade education card. You snuck back in? Mm -hmm. I wow know. good for you it approve you exist yeah really going all <laughs> yep. up i need a job that's what i needed my social security number yes good for you so then how did you decide to get into the career you're, you're in now yeah i actually oh my gosh i i uh i own my own business and um i have a health coaching business business so i'm a functional nutrition coach i'm also a personal trainer I, st I had to get my GED first. And then just over the years, I like built up, I became a personal trainer first. And then I went into holistic health. And then eventually I went into functional health um, and got certifications. I, I'm board certified now, but I, I did all of that over the time of the years. And then three years ago, over three years ago, I started my own business uh, on Diet You. That's an online coaching business, but I specialize primarily in like hormones, thyroid, gut health. Um, and really like stepping in and helping people when they feel like the doctors just aren't helping them anymore. Um, and so that's, that's my business. That's what, what I do there. But then I'm also a CEO and co-founder of a company called Miss Commando. And this company is just about to launch where it's an e-commerce company where, uh, they brought me in as the CEO to build this company out and we're going to be selling chemical free products for women. It's a women's brand. So we're cool. going to be selling uh, chemical-free, non-toxic products for our skin. And so we're going to have goat soaps, goat lotions, shea butter bombs, all of that fun stuff. Um, and then we're also going to be, it's also environmental friendly. So we're using recyclable or biodegradable products that our stuff comes in. So it's good for your health and it's good for the earth. And um yeah. And then we're going to uh, have apparel as well. And our apparel is going to be focused on chemical-free types of apparel as well. So I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Like it, it's, it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why do you think the, uh, <laughs> the owner of the company was like, Hey, you're the person to build this. I want you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So then how do you feel like, I mean, I guess I could kind of tie my own lines to it, but how do you feel like the the childhood that you kind of grew up in impacts your career? I mean, even going into learning how to say no and learning how to give boundaries and learning how to define learning how to use a computer. Wow, what was that like? <laughs> yeah, well, oh my gosh, I'm such a I'm a really fast learner. And so when I want to learn something, like, I'll figure it out. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, and a perfect example is with this, with uh, this e-commerce business, like we're building out our Shopify website and there's something happened within the server system for our email system. And we weren't able to like receive or send emails with this email for the company. And I was like, how are we going to fix this? And I tried to get someone else to help me and like they couldn't figure it out. So I got up this morning and I said, you know what? Like, first of all, God, you're going to have to help me, like show me how to do this. And then second of all, I'm going to figure this out. Well, guess what? A few hours later, I was in that server system and I figured it all out and I fixed the problem. <laughs> so yeah. one of the things about, about us is we're very hard workers, sometimes too much, like we're, we become workaholics, but we also are very creative and we're very resourceful. And it's like, okay, if there's a will, there's a way, like we're going to figure it out. And part of that is German ancestors too. And this is something that I tell people is like, there's, there's three things that, that we want in life or that we need in life. If we want to like really propel forward and move forward, and that is order, structure, and discipline. You need to have those three things in your life. Like if you don't have order, there's chaos. If you don't have structure, there is chaos as well. And order and structure, they go together, right? But if you have those things and you don't have discipline to follow through with your order and your structure, then the tree is going to fall. So you have to follow through with all of those. And that is something that the Germans are really, really good at. Like if you look at the history of the Germans, it's like if you want to get something done and done really well, they're going to do it. And that is something that we have. Yep. Yeah. That's so interesting, that order, structure, and discipline. discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I'm just thinking about how order and structure are different. And order, yeah, it's it's peace, it's calm. But structure is actually the like foundation. That, that building even. Like, it's like, okay, so what are you going to do now with this peace that you've been given? What kind of systems are you going to implement to better yourself? Very cool way to kind of define living and it's nice too because now that you're out you kind of have the resources to be as innovative as you want you're not limited by this rule or that rule or anything like that which has got to be nice in the, in the workforce i surprise myself all the time not to brag at all but like so like sometimes when i figure certain things out i'm like where did that come from you know i had someone ask me the other day they're like you grew up amish how do you know so much about your way around technology and i'm like i just do I just figure it out. Superhero. Well, well, how old are you now? Like you must have been I'm, on the outside world longer than the longer than being honest. Yeah, just 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 over that. So I've been out for just over nineteen years. So I'm thirty eight now. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I almost just kind of reached my my little halfway mark there too. It's like, well, I left my parents then. Not left them in a bad way, but just moved yeah. out. You're living on your own yeah. longer than you were living yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah, it almost feels like such a lifetime ago when you really think about it. You mentioned that you still talk to your mom and stuff. What was the conversation that you had kind of after the dust settled? You wanted to talk to her. Did she accept you right away? Was it a con? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, it, it took my mom. She definitely did not accept me. Um, it probably took her about two years whenever I would go see her for her to not try to like convince me to come back home. And I remember the first, I like, I got my, my ears pierced 
Um, I don't know how quickly it was. It was a, a little while, but I got my ears pierced at some point. And I remember the first time I went home to see her after I had my ears pierced, she like walked me to the bedroom and she's like, Lizzie, you have to take those, those piercings out. And I was like, okay, thanks mom. And so like, she, she, she was cutting your hair is to hell then piercing your body. That's that is like next level. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, it took my mom so I actually didn't go see my mom first after leaving. I, I got a job as a dishwasher at a restaurant two days after I left. Wow. And um yeah, and started Lord. working. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I mean I knew how to wash dishes, but this was different. There, you know, we had a dishwasher, but there was a, a friend of mine, his sister had also left a few years before and she was working there. So the owners of the restaurant were kind of like familiar with it. And so they're like, you can come work for us. We'll pay you cash until you have your social security number. And so I did that. And my mom found out that that's where I was working. So my my twin and my mom in horse and Bucky, like drove all the way down. I think they went somewhere else too, but they they were close by and they kind of assumed that I was working there. So they stopped by that restaurant and they the owner was there and the owner was kind enough to be like, yeah, sure. Like you can talk to her. So they allowed us to like sit in the restaurant area and all they wanted to do was kind of like an intervention of like, you got to come home. Like what you're doing is wrong. Um, but obviously like that didn't work. And I was pretty cold at that point in time where like, I just didn't want anything to do with anybody from the community. And I just, I, I had a pretty, I wouldn't say that I had a cold heart, but I was cold towards the the community. And then also I was a member of the church. So like I ended up living with this married couple that had left like five years before and they took me in and they said, hey, you can live with us for $50 a month on rent and we'll help you get on your feet. We'll help you get your car, driver's license and all of those things. Once you have that, then you can move out on your own. I said, okay. And so while I was living there, I, the, I was in my room one day and the, the lady comes to the door and she goes, Hey, there's a horse and buggy outside and there's two preachers on there and they want to talk to you. And I was like, what do they want? And she's like, Oh, they want to talk to you because they need to shun you. They need to like talk to you about shunning you. And I was like, well, I'm not going out there. I shun them. I shun you. Yeah. I was like, I'm this, this is actually the first time in my life that I can recall that I started to like stand up for myself. And sometimes when I look back, I'm like, wow, I, I'm really proud of myself because I look back to that moment and I stood my ground and I said, I'm not going out there. I'm not talking to them and I'm not giving them the right away to shun me because basically what they wanted is they wanted me to come out. They talk to me and they say, Hey, Lizzie, are you okay? If we shun you, they wanted my okay. And I'm like, I'm not giving you my okay. So what that meant is they had to go back to the church and vote as a church to shun me. And of course they're all going to vote. Yes. They were out there for two hours. Wow. So they'd rather you leave the church than them have to vote you out. Well, they would, they would rather get my okay, that it's okay for, for them to shun me, than have to go to the church because then they don't have my say. 
what was the first time that you kind of publicly spoke about this, about your experience? And do they have any idea? What would they do if they found out? Does your mom know that you have these conversations? Probably not. They're pretty sheltered. So my mom's actually a very, very amazing human being. So it took her about a couple, it took her about two years to come around. And then she got to this place where she was like, you guys are still my kids and I want to see you. And so my twin got married six months after I left and I would go see her every so often at her, at her house with her husband. And then they started having kids. And the last time that I was there, her husband was like, Lizzie, you can't ever come back here. And my mom found out that he said that to me. And so she was so scared that um, I would never come see her because of what he said to me. So she actually like took my side and, and now she's, I, I can't even explain the amazing human being that she is. So earlier this year, um, I'm just going to dive into this. Um, I actually went through a divorce. So I was married for 10 years and, um, I, it was in the beginning of the year, my sister, who's not Amish, she came out here to Arizona and was visiting me. And that was sort of like the beginning of, of the process of the divorce where I didn't know if it was going to happen, but I kind of thought it was going to happen. And she went back home and saw my mom shortly after that visit. And so my mom was like, Hey, how's Lizzie doing? And my sister's like, oh, she wasn't going to tell her anything. And and she's like, oh, she's doing good, you know, kind of like, you know, superficial surface level stuff. My sister walks out of the room and she comes. And then when she comes back into the room, my mom just like looks at her and goes, is she okay? And my sister hadn't said a word. And I, I was, and my sister was like dumbfounded. She's like, how did, how did you know? Mama's intuition. And so she ended up like telling her a little bit about like what was going on. And, uh, <laughs> and when my sister told me that, like, I just like broke down and like bawled my eyes out. Cause I was like, I knew at that point in time that my mom didn't even have to hear to know. And yeah. so and I didn't know like how she was going to receive that, but she has been like the kindest person ever. And she's like, at one point she was like, she asked my sister, she's like, is he hurting her? Like she was worried that, and by the way, he was not hurting me like physically, but um, she was worried about that. And then I went to visit her this last August, just a few months ago. And she didn't say this to me, but my sister and I were there at the same time. And at one point I like left and I went outside and my mom looks at my sister and she goes, she's happier. I can tell that she's happier. And I was like, oh, wow. so yeah, my mom, my mom's a, she's a pretty amazing person. Angel. Wow. So, I mean, you kind of spoken throughout this conversation about God and how he's still prevalent in your life. There's still a presence of God. How do you feel like that strengthened or changed since being in the community? 
Um, so I like ran away from it as much as I could in the beginning, um, knowing that um, I always knew that there was a God. I just didn't want anything to do with religion. Um, and I didn't know how to know him like in a healthy way or healthy manner. Um, and then eventually like I came around and I, uh, you know, learned some things and got to know that he is not the, the person up in the sky, you know, waiting to beat you over the head and that kind of stuff. And so when people ask me about what my belief system is now, and if I'm religious, I say, no, I'm not religious. I can smell and see religion from 10 miles away, but that doesn't mean that I don't love God. God and, and Jesus and religion are different things. Like re religion is controlling and it's in a group where it's like right, wrong, black, white. And to me, that's just not how it is. To me, it's about love. And I love God. I love Jesus and I, and I believe in them. And if that's what, I don't know if that's what you guys believe in. And, but that's what I believe. And that's okay. But religion is like, it makes like my skin crawl. Yeah. It's because, a relationship versus a religion. Yeah. It's a relationship. Yes. And from what I've learned anyway, uh, <laughs> Jesus actually hates religion. And if one of his purposes was to destroy religion. So that's where I am at. Wow. Do you, I know that you have a son. Do you carry on any Amish traditions, guidelines, principles, anything with him? You know, that's such a tough question because um, obviously I didn't like race kids <laughs> when, I, when I was in the Amish community and I, I grew up there. So I, I, I think that there are some just innately that, that I do but um, it's not necessarily something like, oh, because I learned this when I was growing oh, up that I'm going right. to, yeah, like, I'm not going to be like, hey, you need to learn this because I did. But, um, we live the Amish way, lights out at one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're right so, back into it. Yeah, he, it's crazy, though. Like, he knows, like, he actually, he's not old enough where he'll sometimes be like, is that where, um, like your Amish mom and he'll like say something like that. Like he, he, he's a pretty smart kid to begin with, but like, he like comprehends that. And so my dad, I actually told him about my dad one time and I was like, yeah, like my dad is up in heaven. Like he died when I was still at home and he's like buried in the ground somewhere. And one day just randomly he goes, I want to go to where, see where your daddy's buried. And I'm like, you're four. Like, wait, you what? Remember that conversation. Yeah. 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 Do you miss anything about it? About the Amish community? Well, the community, the lifestyle, the people. No. Interesting. No, there. I would say the only thing is like, I crave certain aspects of like, hey, I want to have my own garden and in those kinds of things, but That's not necessarily, like I don't necessarily like miss it. I can develop and create whatever life I want. If I, if I, that's what I want to do, I can create it. That's a great way to look at it. It's yeah. very nice while you're like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't think you've been talking ill about it this whole time or like, you know, there doesn't seem like this hurts you so much or anything. It's it's nice no. it's that yeah. not everything has to be a big deal. No, <laughs> it doesn't. It really, really doesn't. Yeah, and it's nice because I feel like you've answered a lot of questions about the Amish community without giving it a bad name yeah. or anything like that, which is 
really nice. You had mentioned that you didn't want to be a baby factory in one of your videos. Are you going to have more kids? Is you plan on having more kids? Is it kind of like one and done? I don't know. I'm I'm a single mom right now, so I have no idea where that's going to go. That's <laughs> true. I have one. I'm 38. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess this, this clock, I always feel like I'm way younger than I am. Well, I mean, I don't know. My mom was 44 when she had her last one. So if you're a healthy oh, human being. She is like a world record training champion. That's like comparing yourself to a pro athlete. She's <laughs> she been in be the in ring. She um, should she should be in a, in the Guinea's record book. Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. I have one question. So Mark, when we were in Canada, he worked with somebody, an electrician who was asked to go to an Amish community and like do the whole have sex behind a sheet kind of thing to broaden the gene pool. Have you heard of that? Never heard of that. I definitely know that that would have not been a thing where I'm from. Interesting. Oh, and this is one thing I was thinking about too. Like just because you're Amish, what does that really mean? Like, you know, how far do you have to go before the telephone tag of Amish is completely in the next town over? And it's like, how similar really is it all, you know? Yeah. So there's where, where I'm from, there's none of that. Right. So they don't have any phones, nothing like that. But then you could go to, uh, you know, 30 minutes down the street or in another area and they're the old order and a new order and they have phone jacks out by their, by their road. And they even have cell phones and computers if they have a business. Mm. So completely different order of homage. Funny thing. I actually, uh, in my coaching program, sometimes I coach old order or new order homage women. And I, I have one right now. And I was like, how did you find me? And she's like, Instagram. And I was like, wait, you guys are on Instagram. And she's like, I was like, I didn't know you're allowed to be on Instagram. She's like, we're not. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids are going to find you. She's not a kid. She's a grandma. Oh, snap. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Cool. Like, kids have kids. Have different thing going on and like sneaking mm-hmm. this in. And yeah wild a lot of a lot of the a a lot of the old order and new order homage like if they hear my stuff they're like that is not how it was for us and then i also have i actually just recently on instagram actually i had someone just come at me and tell me like everything that i'm saying is false and i'm like hmm interesting okay did you live there yeah yeah and he was like well i grew up amish and none of this was true there and i was like does that take away from my experience? Yeah. Like, does that mean it's not true for me? Yeah. So, you know, you'll have people that will do that, but every time. Yeah. So I always kind of thought you were just Amish and in it, and that's it. If you left, it had to have been you got kicked out or ran away or whatever. I'm gonna butcher this Rumspringa. Rumspringa. Yeah. What is that? Um, so that's another one that's a misconception. Rumspringa is not allowed where I'm at, but Rumspringa in old order and new order is where they allow the kids in the dating world, um, to go out and explore the world and just drive cars, have jobs, make their own money. They go party, dress in non-Amish clothes. Like they do all of that stuff. And then at some point they can decide whether or not they want to go back or, um, stay. And 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, but where I'm from, that's not something that we were allowed to do. Do you have a community of like ex Amish people that you can relate to now that you talk to now, or are you just all just leave and go on your separate ways? I think most of them have that, but I kind of separated myself from a lot of them. Here's why. Um, not because they were bad people, but when I, when I left, um, after a while, I was like, I can't grow the way that I want to grow and go to the places I want to go. If I keep hanging out with the same people and it's a comfort zone for a lot of people. And so I just was like, no, like I got to go somewhere else. So I kind of like separated myself from a lot of them. Also, I moved out West and most of them aren't out West. So yeah. So say something to the Amish community something to somebody who's not Amish and then something to an ex-Amish. What would those three things be? In terms of? If somebody from your Amish community came and asked you about it, what would you say to them? Wow. I would tell them that if someone from my Amish community, let's just picture it would be one of my siblings. Um, I would tell them that, you know, they don't have to just because of the fear that is put in them within the church. That doesn't mean it's true. That doesn't mean that that fear is true. That's being taught and they have a choice. Every single person has a choice to decide what they want to do with their life. Yeah. And the fear is what keeps most people there. Mm -hmm. I believe that there are a lot of people that want to leave but because of the fear that's instilled in them, that's what keeps them there. That's what I would tell them. That one thing that you said about people getting stuck on the roof, I feel like that's like a general, generally positive blanket statement for everybody listening to this. Yep. Like, don't get stuck on the roof because life is- Don't so get stuck on the roof. That's, that, is, that is the main thing. And even like, and then for people that leave- Here's the thing, someone that's ex-Amish, one of the things that you have to work really, really hard on is to let go. Like you have to let go of so many things. It's like you have to shed yourself from a lot of things. And a lot of people aren't able to figure out how to do that. I've mentored some people that have come from the same Amish community as me and they didn't know how to let go with the expectation of their family accepting them. And here's what I tell them. I'm like, listen, you chose to leave. They didn't. You now know two ways of living your life. They don't. They know one way. They have one belief system. They know that way and that's all they know. You have to respect them. Respect them for how they feel, what their emotions are and what they believe. You uh, That doesn't mean that everything they see and do, say and do to you is right, but you have to still respect them and understand that you now have multiple points of views in your life. And they're not going to understand your point of view because they haven't experienced your point of view. So you yeah. have to let go. That perspective switches everything. When you have more to look at, more data than, and then arguing with somebody with half the picture, it's just a very, very difficult conversation. Someone that was never Amish and has always been in the modern world, I would tell them that uh, the family that you're born into isn't always your family. So if you are in a family that is not supportive of you and is not a healthy relationship, 
just because that's your blood family doesn't mean that it is your family that you need to be spending all of your time with. And if that is not in a healthy place, then you need to figure out how to create some distance so that you can be healthy. Yeah. And that's okay. I feel like there's just so many things about your story that I genuinely like I can relate to on a personal level when it's I mean, I left a little bit earlier. I was 14 when everything happened with my family. But just those like the question marks and kind of the you don't know where you're going to end up. There's really no point to assuming that you'll know where you end up. It's just the next adventure and let's take it as it comes. And no, it's been so nice getting to know you and listening to your story. Yeah, it's been amazing. This was an amazing com- pillow talk conversation. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know we've got a few people excited to hear this story. So it's going to be it's going to be fun putting it up for them. Do you want to share any of your social media, any of your um, even coaching stuff, any of the dietitian stuff for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on uh, TikTok. It's Lizzie H underscore wellness. And then on Instagram, it's Lizzie and underscore wellness. Um, and you can find all kinds of resources on there. So if you go to my link in my bio there, I have all kinds of free downloads and things that you can access. So you cool. can find all that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks again, Lizzie, for doing this with us. We yeah, appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. This was fun. I appreciate it.